What's up, y'all? In this episode of Order Within, I sat down with Byron Van Pelt, a coach's coach, entrepreneur, and fellow believer in the power of authenticity. Byron's journey from living in a picture-perfect suburban home to embracing freedom and interconnection while traveling the country in an RV is inspiring. We discuss how to cultivate authenticity in your life and business, making deeper connections with your community and family, and the value of introspection and empathy. We also touch on the danger of self-filtering and adopting others' expectations instead of honoring our unique perspective and mission. It's an hour-long conversation that you won't want to miss, so let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to Order Within, navigating a world of endless chaos and crisis. Many of us are experiencing inner turmoil, insecurity, anxiety, fears, and isolation. These feelings are only being amplified by news cycles, social media, and never-ending political madness. How do we find our way out of the chaos? How do we find strength within ourselves? How do we find meaning in a world driven by materialism? These questions and many more I aim to answer on the show. My goal is to be a trusted guide on your journey to selfhood. May you find what you seek. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Brandon Ward, back with another episode of Order Within. We've got a fantastic guest today. I'm excited to introduce Byron Van Pelt. He is a coach of coaches, an entrepreneur, a husband, a father, and honestly, just an all-around rad dude. We connected when I was exploring coaching, and we have since stayed in contact, and I love the work that Byron's doing. He has very strong content from my perspective. It's very authentic and genuine. So Byron, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. Heck yeah, dude. Well, it's Thanksgiving week here in the States, so it can be kind of a crazy time for people. I know that you had some family in town recently and how, what, what is, what is the holidays and what does that stuff mean to you? Like how, how do you typically vibe in these times? Was it's interesting with us because uh, living in an RV full time for the past two years, like we're constantly traveling, we're constantly mobile. And that is the number one objection that we hear from family. Like, oh, you're not going to be here. You're not coming back to the family to celebrate with us. And one of the things that it's revealed is, well, yeah, like I, I honor our family and I love them and it's always good to see them. We have our own unit as well. And the freedom that it's gained for us over these past few years, that's really what it's been about. It's we have our own little unit. And so I've gotten to know everyone in my family that much more intimately. And I know it sounds strange. Like I live with these people. I see them every day. Um, but I growing up for me, I had a family where I saw my father, my mother, my sister every single day. I didn't always feel like I really knew them. I never always felt like we could actually talk and, and take the, the facade down and actually connect human to human. So just sharing like a close physical space didn't always equate to like actual emotional connection. So when you ask me that, the first thing I think of is this is a time to be grateful, of course, with Thanksgiving, but it's also a time for us to deepen connections and our bond. And I, I'm trying my best to set a precedent for when my kids are in their 20s and 30s and 40s, the way we continue to interact is very sacred to me. And I want to make sure that that's always there instead of it just being an, an obligation to stay in touch. So that's it. Interesting. And man, I love that because that's, I think a lot of people feel similarly around the holidays with family. There's a lot of obligations. There can be heaviness to, to these times. 
that's also why I wanted to to ask you that because I am curious, you know, your perspective on it, how you navigate it, and and in particular, being that you all have been fully RV driven, living RV driven, living <laughs> for the last couple of years, right. as you said, which is very interesting. But you know what you mentioned too in a traditional home, everyone has their rooms. Usually, I should say, not everyone, but in America, it's kind of standard. You grow up, people have rooms. You may share a room with a sibling or not, but a lot of times people don't interact at dinner. They don't really communicate with one another, even though you're together, you're hanging out in the living room, but people are doing their own thing. You, and then once the family time's over, everybody kind of goes off into their own world and, and does their own thing. So it's, it's interesting that you're mentioning that connection component because the, the close vicinity doesn't guarantee or mean you're going to connect genuinely and authentic with the people you care about. It has to be something you do intentionally, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It does, man. So it's a good time. It's a good time to also for me to look in the mirror um, and relationships take work, they take effort and they take, like you said, intentionality. And it, the holidays are so interesting because it, the whole point for so many is to bring everyone together, bring everyone together. And yet there's also a lot of stress and expectation and you need to be here and you should do this and you need to say hi to them. It's been so long and it's a wonderful point for me to look in the mirror and, and am I holding up that same standard to myself and uh, how often am I pointing fingers? So it's a good time. Mm. Dude, that's an interesting piece too, because I think a lot of us can struggle with the expectation, the shoulds, the shouldn'ts, like, and how we show up. It's hard to set boundaries in particular with our family sometimes, isn't it? Just the way we have to express our needs and even more so if we're doing work on ourselves and going through personal transformations, doing the, I mean, the work that you do with your clients and coaches, I know is very transformative in the, the inner components. You're, you're diving into what makes people authentic and, and how they want to show up in their work. And that can be hard, man, because from, from day one, so much of us is shaped around what our family expects of us, what our community, our society, our country and beyond religion, whatever it may be, there's all these expectations that kind of piled on us, right? And I think we feel those things in particular around the holidays. And Byron, I would be curious for you, man, like for people out there that may be listening, what is something that they could, going through the holidays, like what are some things that has worked for you in the past or maybe has helped other clients to to navigate choppy situations with their family or or maybe in their own personal life with showing up authentically. Yeah, I think part of the reason we we did this RV adventure, and then I want to share that, then I want to answer your question for context. But part of the reason we we did this major uproot, we had a house actually pretty close to where you are, just outside Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, big five-bedroom house, literally a white picket fence. Like the kids had plenty of toys, plenty of space. And I'm like, all right, we, we made it. Like we got the business to this level, great. But I felt completely hollow and I felt completely disconnected. And I realized what had brought us there in the first place, we had lived in Florida for eight years. What brought us there is because we felt on, at the time we need to be closer to our family. Like we, we should be there. Um, this is what we should, quote unquote should do. But then the more we spent time there, we realized we're not really here for us. We're here out of obligation. We're, we're doing it to placate. We're doing it because again, it's what we should do. And then when you said the work that I do with my, my clients, I recognized fortunately that, okay, well, wait a minute. The value that 
a, a coach or anyone that's marketing their business, what they really have for their audience, whether they're creating content or going about marketing themselves, the value is in the, their original voice coming through, the voice that hasn't been censored and muted. And how do I need to present this so that I can, you can get what I'm saying or that I can conform to your expectations? And what our audience is always craving is more of that primal, this is who I actually am, how I actually feel. It's just that we're so used to being manipulated subtly by other people, you know, by the corporation if we have a job or by our family with, mm. you should be here. And so the more we started recognizing this, our journey to travel America in an RV, yeah, on one hand, it was to see more of the country, it was to explore, it was to give our children an incredible experience, Henry and Charlotte. But emotionally, the real impetus was we're in this situation that's just not authentically us. And, and here I am trying to help the, the coaches I work with to clarify their message and to become more authentic in the marketing. And I'm like, I'm not living that though. I, I, I placated other people. And so in making that physical space, uh, I'll never forget there was multiple conversations I had with family, like you're not going to be here for this holiday. And that, you know, it was, how dare you, you're always here. And I thought at first, oh man, maybe I'm making, and I would question myself, but then that physical distance and the perspective that we've had through traveling and through disconnecting made me realize the true reason I was, I was often there. Yeah, there was love and there was a joy and a desire to catch up with people. But it was also because I felt like I had to, I just, I had to, and that wasn't me being authentic. So me being able to separate that and then coming back and then having a heart to heart with my family that I never would have had before. And here's what's actually going on for me and, and how I experience it and separating what's my challenge with, with their challenge and how they were projecting that on me was supremely helpful. And it was only through me doing that that I got to a space where I could see, okay, for example, you have a clear message in there somewhere. You have an authentic gift, something that you want to share, but I can tell that it's still filtered through that subtle lens of, are people going to like this? Are people going to understand this? Is, is this okay? Can I really say that? And the only way I could get there is because I had to look at myself in the mirror to do that. Long way of saying that. <laughs> That's how I, I viewed it. And that's what's always helped me, if that makes sense. Oh, dude, it does. And it's a fantastic message, I think, really, because there's a, there's a lot of hard-hitting components to what you just shared too, Byron. And it's, this work isn't necessarily going to be the most comfortable or easy thing to do when we step into our authenticity, our expression. And that means a lot of things to a lot of people. I think it can you can get sensitive to authenticity because it's like, well, what does it mean? And and really it means what it means to us. And, and I love that what you're describing is your, that story you shared was your internal struggle with wanting to be who you were. You had what appears to be on the outside, this incredible home, you have this big space, all these things, but you felt empty because it didn't vibe and connect with the deeper components to who you were. And then that journey prompted you to I've got to start communicating and telling everyone, my family included, this is how I want to live. This is who I am. This is what means something to me. Because the people that really do care about us and love us truly will be there regardless. They'll celebrate it. Even though initially there may be discomfort, there may be challenges, there may be fights. Like you, but 
the more we can show up with courage in our own self, the more we can offer the world in its fullest expression. That, I mean, that's a wonderful message, man. And that, that's what I think is so interesting about the work that you do as a coach with other coaches is we all do that. We've all learned to wear masks. We all filter in some ways, right? It's a practice of becoming courageous enough to share our truth without fearing what may come from that. And you, even though you and I never actually worked together just because I went a different path with what I'm going, I'm focusing on my podcast and going and, but I, that was one thing that always resonated with me and you since we met was just, you just seemed very present, genuine, you never hard sold, dude. And that's something that turns me off hugely with anyone is the idea that you can manipulate someone else's decision by pushing triggers or buttons to get them to make the decision that you want as the seller. I, I despise that kind of stuff. You never did that with me. And that means a lot. And, and I think it shows up in the way you create your content too, because whether you want to be a coach or an entrepreneur or simply a family person, whatever it may be, or all of those things, authenticity, man, is where our fulfillment is found. And when, when we can let go of those expectations, the shoulds, like you were talking about, that's where I've found our meaning and fulfillment merge in our life. And we, we find an inner peace. Now, it's not perfect. It's not like you're done and then, you know, oh, okay, I'm enlightened. And so I'm now I'm done. Like it's, it, we do it every day, right? But I think so much of us are craving that. And I was mentioning this to you too before our call, before we went live, is there's so much fake stuff in social media, in the media in general, tactics, formulas, how to get clicks, how to get a million views on YouTube. But if it doesn't, if, if I'm not allowed to do it in the way that makes sense to me or show up in the way that I want, I don't want a million views on YouTube if it's not authentic to me. And you are, you live that you create content that reflects that you created a post today that I thought was very insightful about being a poor corporate guy because you don't play the corporate game, but that's what makes you great at what you do. And I think Byron, I'd love to, to get your perspective on individuals that may be earlier in this journey or, or maybe they're, maybe they're deep into personal development, but they're, they're missing on the authentic pieces. What are some things from your perspective that can be most kind of impactful for someone on this journey of, of authentic self-expression? Big question. It's a big question. And, and one of the insights that I've had in the past year, because most of the people, when, when we work together, they bring this question of, I, I feel like my message is unclear, or I don't know how to articulate what I do or who I am, or what are the right words to say so that someone really gets the value in this. And on the surface, that is important. It's, it's important to learn how to be succinct. It's important to learn how to clearly articulate your value for other people. That is an integral role. And whether you're growing a business or if you have a job, being able to, to capture buy-in in the company, I know for sure you have to be able to communicate effectively. But really what separates having that, that message is not so much clarity as it is courage. And that's one of the things that you said, because I've just discovered on a deep, deep, deep level, I believe we're all wired to follow the herd. Uh, it does a lot for us. It does a lot for us psychologically because if someone else has figured it out, we don't have to expel the hard work and effort to sit there and discover original insight or original thought or how do I really see this? Well, I respect that person. I trust this person. They presented, one of the words you said was a framework. They presented a template or a framework okay, like they did the heavy lifting, I'll buy into that. 
And we started doing that at a very, very, very young age. I mean, that, isn't that the whole point of school? It's sit down, mm. here's the framework, memorize the framework. You're not going to riff on it, create your own thing and then come back. It's you either did it right or you did it incorrectly. Mm. And so we're, we're taught and trained. This is how you, you produce quality and this is how you are valued. And there's a real primal terror that comes with, okay, I hear all that, but I, I know this is going to be true. And I'm going to put myself out on a limb. That's terrifying for most people. And it takes real guts and courage to do that. Because as soon as you do that, you don't have the benefit anymore of going, well, this thought leader says this, this teacher says this, or my mom and dad always say this. And so you're really thinking for yourself. And it's such a, an easy concept of like, yeah, you know, authenticity. Yeah, everyone be authentic. It's such a buzzword, right? But what separates people from actually doing that is the courage, but then even the effort that it requires. And I used to get so angry as well with like the templates and the recipes. And I would see a lot of coaches just buy into the lead magnets. And here's the perfect post recipe to get this, or here's how to get uh, 10 clients in the next 30 days. And I knew from experience that it's a lot of hot air. You, it's, it's impossible to say, follow this exact template because at the end of the day, you're still the one executing. You're still the one doing it. When it comes to content though, one of the things that I realized is super rare and super powerful. And it creates not just the surface level enjoyment of like engagement and impressions and all the things, the wonderful algorithms, like great, but practically it also creates clients. It creates business. It creates new opportunities. And it is the skill set of cultivating original insight. And I think it's, mm -hmm. it's closely linked to authenticity. And again, because we're wired, there's a great book that, that touches on this iconoclast by Gregory Burns. And he talks about mm. how true iconoclasts are rare. And it is because it's, it's harder and it's scarier to get out there on your own. But I think one of the keys that happens is when I meet with clients and we're talking it out and I'm looking at their ideas and their content and how they want to get out there. And we start to explore original ideas. Usually they can share a little bit and then they stop. And it's almost this feeling of asking for permission or can I really go there? Can I, I can't, but I can't really say, I, I, I can't really do that. Or there's this intrinsic clawing back to, well, Simon Sinek always says, or this thought leader always says, and, and if I just, <laughs> okay, but what do you say? And we're so ingrained to having this internal sensor that shows up for us that goes, they're not going to like that. Don't do that. They're not going to get that. Don't say that. They're not going to resonate with that. You're going to be ridiculed. And that typically dominates the creative process. And that robs us of authenticity. When that internal sensor is quieted down. And when I realize someone is actually talking it out in a safe space where there is zero judgment. There's zero, mm, I don't quite get what you're saying there, try better. They're not going to like that. Your audience, remember, your audience is looking for that. When there's zero of that and someone has the space and the permission to just play and to just explore, that's really the environment that creates original insights. And I've noticed that's where someone then takes command over their ideas. Someone has command over their message. Someone has that, that capacity for here is the message that I'm here on earth to share and not just to regurgitate or to pare it back. And that safe space is required to, uh, to navigate that. So that's, that's what I've seen. That's great, man.
That's fantastic stuff. And I think I love the a couple of concepts that kind of popped out to me when you were sharing is it's the it's safe leaning into experts or leaders or thought leaders because it it also allows us to negate responsibility in a big way too. Like you said earlier, like, oh yeah, well, this person said this or Simon Sinek said that, or I'm going to do that. But that's also us giving away our power, giving away responsibility because our power comes from claiming responsibility and having the courage to share what we think or feel, regardless of what it may mean. Now, does that mean if you're a jerk to everyone on the internet and that's your message and you want to be authentically a prick to everyone, there may be fallout for that, but like at least owning it. I'm not saying, and that's not what we're necessarily talking about. I'm not saying you have to go out and be a jerk or mean or anything like that, but there are things that we filter ourselves, especially with, I think the way the conversation in this country has gone with social media, censorship, the political landscape, there's a lot of self-filtering that we all do based on afraid of offending or saying the wrong thing or pushing someone the wrong way. But the problem with that is, man, is if we live that way, we are driven by fear, which is an animal state. We're spirit, from my perspective, we're spiritual beings. And the way to live the courageous life to self-express is to realize that we go beyond our fear. When we act with courage, that's us activating our spiritual power. And you said it too, that we're in the world to do. All of us come, I believe, all of us come in this world to share a message, to do some things, to be who we are. We're human beings. And I think that's why we got to lean into that authenticity, the expression of who we are with courage. But, and you also said something too, that whisper, that voice, right? The doubter. That's one thing that I love about Stephen Pressfield's work, The Art of War, is he talks about that. The one that's constantly negating us, the doubter. He has a specific name in it. I'm totally drawing blank on it right now. I'm going to shoot myself in the foot after this episode because I'm going to remember it. You may remember it, Byron, but you know, I'm sure you know that book. I know of the book. I do not know the name, though. I know exactly what you're talking about, though. But it's, it's the, it's basically the imposter, the thing that's constant resistance. Yeah. That's what he calls resistance. it. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Resistance, the internal resistance. And you, you quantified a few of those res resistance or qualified them, called them different things like that we say in ourselves that we filter ourselves. And, but that's a shame when we do that because we're not allowing those things that live in our heart. You also mentioned something about playing like being more playful and open with the way that we like school doesn't teach us to do that it teaches us to follow the rules and if we don't follow the rules we get scolded or reprimanded and try to push back into the corridor right you need to go this way this is the right way but you mentioned play and i think that's that innocence component that creative playfulness that comes from our spirit component again like Jesus said, we get into the, the kingdom of heaven by becoming childlike, becoming like children. I think he's literally meaning we, we become innocent in that sense. We play, we're creative, we're open, we're caring. It, you have two young children. Go watch them at the playground, man. My daughter, like it's insane to me how conscientious and thoughtful children will be just naturally. A kid falls down, they want to see if they're okay. Now, this doesn't always happen, right? Kids are obviously still learning and things, but they intuitively understand being kind, being thoughtful to others, playing, sharing. Like, it's amazing to me. I see it all the time when we're at parks. And that's that, that childlike component. Just, I'm going to be care. I'm going to care about this person. There are another kid here with me. I want to care and give. And so for, when we think about that innocence, Byron, 
that playing component, like how does that come into your work? Is that, I'd, I'd imagine that's something that probably comes up a lot with your clients too, is that the, the inability to connect to that. Yeah, man. I love that. There's moments when I just watch my children play and I cry. Uh, I just cry, mm. not just because it's innocent, but just because there's just so much joy and love there. It's such an intense feeling. It's so hard to even articulate. I'm just in awe of just the, the wanton curiosity they have for everything. One of the things I later realized, I, I didn't know this at the time. I had no idea as a result of traveling and being in a new location every two weeks on average for over 700 days, I've cultivated a barrage of novel experiences. And so what that means is there is no local grocery store that we go to, you know, the, the people change constantly, the locations change constantly, the experiences, the challenges that we solve change constantly. So it's created a lot of plasticity in my brain. And I later realized, I found out through research, that is actually a key component in creating original thinking or being able to play with an idea. What robs us of that is having structure and routine so much that the majority of our life is very predictable. And I'm sure you've experienced like mm -hmm. where time just flies by if you're in a, a routine and it's like you're going through the same motions every day, time just flies by. But when you're in a brand new environment and a new experience, you have to slow down to literally process everything that's happening. You can't autopilot through certain things. And so mm. for my children, when I watch them, they're not autopiloting anything. I sometimes wish they would. It would make my life a little easier. <laughs> but they're, they're there vivifying these experiences in real time. And that play I know is tied to that. Everything is a new experience. Everything is seen largely with fresh eyes. And that's hugely influential to me because I see that on a daily basis and I go, all right, sure, I've talked about this topic a lot. Sure, I've read a lot about this topic. But it's the moments where I recognize, okay, yeah, but that's looking in the rear view window. What do you know about it today? Or what are you going to create that's new and different today? And that requires playfulness. It also requires this, this non-serious, like, all right, I've ticked this box. I know it requires curiosity. It requires like, what else can I realize about this? And one of the big things that's helped me with that has been introspection. Like there's really really looking in the mirror, not just with what I know, but okay, like, what do you actually live? Because when I start to explore that, I realize, okay, like I know a lot about that topic, but I don't always live it. And then I ask myself why. And then that's where I get a lot of insights from. And sometimes people will tell me like, I, I want to help my students or my clients or my market or my customers do this. And invariably when I, when I, flip the mirror around and I hold it up to that person, how do you do with that? There's usually this feeling of like imposter syndrome or people tend to feel like a fraud, like, oh, this kind of sucks to say, but I'm not always doing the best job of that in my own life. And there's this defeat, like maybe I shouldn't, I don't have the authority to teach those people. And I go, no, 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 no. This is not just unique to you. This is every human being I've ever encountered on earth. <laughs> and what's cool about it is it's actually a wonderful opportunity because if you can really sit with fresh eyes and not just everything you've read or booked or some other expert telling you the truth, if you actually look at it with fresh eyes and you consider, well, why is that hard for me? I, I can tell other people to do it. Great. But why is it hard for me? Where does it, what it actually helps me with this? That's what your audience wants to hear. That's what they want to hear. That's what has mm -hmm. people show up and go, 
okay, you're speaking on a different level than anyone else have heard before. And practically it is what brings in clients in the door. But I also find it's deeper than just on a business sense. You talked about it on a spiritual level. I know it's spiritually impactful as well because the very thing, the very cup we're trying to fill is typically where we're simultaneously the most passionate about learning and discovering. And we're really keen on there's a status quo or a level of advice on that topic that's just not cutting it. And why? Why aren't more people doing it this way? There's often a truth that we need to restore that it's not going to come from just more knowledge and, and expertise. It's going to come from walking that path. And like you said, that courage to recognize, all right, I could embody this on a higher level. And that gives you so much empathy with your audience. It, it mm. gives you so much of a, of a deeper connection where your audience goes, this person gets me. And instead of feeling like, well, they're not an expert, they actually are so grateful that you're in the trenches with them. And that humility is the key. So when you say it's easier for a child to get into the kingdom of heaven, that humility aspect is super important. And, and that's where I see it playing out as well right there. Yeah, that's great, man. It, it's humility is a huge, I mean, honestly, if we, if, if you have children and you, you take them to the, and they're young, specifically young children, right? It, obviously, as they get older, they get into adolescence. The world is, has worked its way often to where they've limited that expression, but young children in particular, toddlers, kids under five, six years old, they, they're curious, they're open, they're flexible, they're caring, like they're imaginative, they're curious, like they're very energetic. Now, all kids have different expressions, obviously, right, that scale there, but it really is, we can model their behavior and, and we don't. I don't think as humans, we look around our environments. And I love that you're talking about that from introspective perspective is we can do that in the world around us too, in nature and in children and animals. We can learn about ourselves by observing nature in, in, in honest, open ways. And nature and the world around us reveals our nature too, with the way we operate, the power that we hold. And we forget, we forget because you said it too. You said something earlier being so serious, kind of checking all the boxes. Like we, we think so linear in a linear fashion about what we need to do to become the thing, to have the thing, to achieve the thing. And don't get me wrong, man, I love accomplishing things, but it's what I've come to realize as I've gotten older, it's absolutely the process and the journey that is, makes life fulfilling because no matter the goal we accomplish or the thing we end up achieving, I mean, you, your story is a prime example of that with the home to where you moved into an RV with what you're doing with your family now. We can have all these things and they're not going to give us, if, it's, if we're doing it in a way that's trying to fill that void or something that we feel within ourselves, it simply won't do. And so by becoming more childlike, operating like children in our lives, we can lean into the process. We can lean into play because kids simply love being. They're at the playground. They're not thinking about anything else. I, actually, the moment I tell my daughter she's got to go, she has a freaking meltdown because it's in the, <laughs> they're in the mode. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. all they know. And I'm not saying we all become unreasonable toddlers, but there's, there's things that we can learn, right? From children and the way they operate in the world. And I, I really love what you were saying there. There was, there's, I think too, Byron, the, cause I'd love to talk a little bit more about the process too. Right. And for something for me, 
I struggled with that for a really long time. I was in a, a lot of bad jobs, a lot of things that didn't fit for me. I've had a lot of great conversations over the last month or so with my wife about just my sales career and the things that I've done. You know, I, I've got, I'm doing some business brokering, which is like a part-time, but really it's, it's, I love this. And, and you mentioned earlier too, like I will talk about this endlessly because I, I believe in it. I feel that void. Like I feel it deep in my heart and I feel the void in our world. Like you were saying earlier, like there's, I don't care. Like I, and I've never felt that way about anything that I've done. And that to me is a great indicator that I'm actually now much closer to my authentic expression than I've ever been because I'm doing it simply because I believe in it, man. And I love what I'm doing. And I, and I think so much of us strive to achieve that. And I imagine that's a lot of the work as a coach of coaches in your practice, you're, you're trying to help other people come to that kind of culminating point in their life to where they love the process, but they're still striving. So I'd love to kind of get your perspective on some of those concepts, Byron. Yeah, the, the, one of the big things that I've observed um, that really, it kind of floored me because my background, I've been coaching since 2011. And prior to that, like you, I had a sales background, I had a marketing background. And so um, supremely suited to then essentially do both, right? Coach and then help coaches with their marketing and, and their sales. But what I discovered, and I kind of kicked myself, like, why didn't you see this sooner? But I realized that most coaches are in this world of like, coaching is my thing. And then I talk to them about marketing and there's always this feeling of like, eh, like I have to do that. Like, all right, I'll try on this like crappy suit and almost like do a song and dance, like, yeah, ta-da, to get clients and like the joy is like talking to people and coaching them. That's my joy. That's my lane. I don't want to have to do this thing. And they've simultaneously bought into a lot of programs and a lot of, of business coaches. And there are a lot of wonderful business coaches out there, but they bought into some that are more about, hey, here's the song and dance routine that you have to do to get clients. And that's their world. Their world is the hype and the promotion and the marketing and you know, a lot of these people you can tell, unfortunately, are comfortable not really selling value, but just selling and just saying the right words to get people in the door. And they're in, they Ugh. know how to hit the buttons, like you say, they know how to create Ugh. copy. So it's rare to meet somebody that has command over both. And one of the, the key themes that I that wrestled with for years is how do you gain comfort with both of those things? Because the way that most coaches are taught to market themselves is the opposite of authentic. It is the antithesis mm. of be authentic. It's here's a recipe, here's a template, do this just this way, conform yourself. And yet simultaneously you get a client that way. And then your work with them is going to be about, hey, be authentic, be more yourself. Let's strip away. There was such a disconnect there. And I was asking myself, well, what if marketing is an extension of our coaching? And what if our marketing is, is actually us serving people in a wider, more generous way so that instead of seeing it as some cheap, shitty suit that you have to put on and wear, you can actually show up and it's more of your essence that comes through that attracts clients. Now, there is a practical side of it. If you want to talk process, there is knowing your audience and being clear on who you're talking to, because if the audience is, is this sea of people, if it's just kind of everyone vaguely interested in blank, it's really hard to be relevant to them. And it's also really hard to be familiar to them. It's hard, in other words, to show them, I know what it's like to be you. I get you. I understand what's going through your head. 
copywriters will say you have to know their pain points and how to hit them. But most of the time, that's just labeling something effectively, which is not the same as actually being able to communicate empathy. I know what it feels like to be you. Once that's clear and once you're able to do that, the next big thing that your audience is looking for is uniqueness. It's, it's unique insight. It's to, to demonstrate your expertise on the topic, but having your own essence inform that expertise. So in other words, what's least valuable is someone coming on and just kind of spouting out surface level tips, tricks, strategies. Hey, this person says this, so I'd repost it. Or hey, this, per this thought leader says this, so I'm going to present it for you here and ta-da. And you can tell when the marketing is about this deep. And we're often told and taught, well, no one's going to read long content. No one's going to read all that. They do if it's relevant to them and they do if it's unique and authentic coming from you. And they especially do if you feel something when you're creating it. If you're emotionally mm. tuned in, if you're passionate about it, people read it. They read as much as you put out there. And so keeping all that in mind when you create your marketing, when you create your content, if it's an extension of your coaching, it's, you know what? I recognize that some people in my audience, they might be at a point where they're looking to hire a coach. Great. So I'm going to create content for these people. Some people might be at a stage before that where they recognize, I'm just looking for answers. I'm just looking for insight. I'm looking for somebody that knows what they're doing to point things out that I don't see. Great. You can generously create a transformation there. And then other people, even a stage before that, are in the problem and they're not looking for solutions. They're not looking for guidance. They're not looking for try this, do this. Hey, don't think that way. Think this way. They're looking for empathy. They're looking for, I know what it feels like to be you. It's not your fault. The beating mm. yourself up, the guilt and the fear and the anger, you don't have to live with that. And by the way, some of the solutions you've been given probably suck and here's why. And you align with them like you have their back. And if you know how to do that, that human connection that you portray through all of that is really where people grab on and they resonate with you. It's not the Structure your posts with this template. Do it this way. Hey, you need this niche with these pain points. It's, it's so much more than that. And that's why I love it. And, and it's why I love the work that I do. It, it's in a sense, I'm reminding coaches of what they already know. You're, you're working with your clients to help them shed what is inauthentic to them. So why in the world should your marketing be any different? Your marketing should be mm. a 10 out of 10 embodiment of that. So let's do that and then see what happens. And that's been... Some of the keys to the process, if that makes sense. That's, that's great, man. And it's cool, Byron, because what you're talking about doesn't just apply to other coaches or entrepreneurs, or it can be apply at your job. It can apply in your everyday life, just showing up authentically and expressing what lives inside of you, communicating clearly. I think the thing is, and you speak to that, is we have this idea that, okay, I'm putting on my marketing hat now and I got to do it this way because I've been told this is how it needs to sound. These are the templates that it needs to be, or... These are the points that I need to make, but we need to ultimately, everything that we do is an extension of who we are from within everything. And it can be an extension of our inauthentic way of living because we're not connected to our, our deeper truths. And a lot of us are stuck in that state. I absolutely had been in that place many years of my life. I mean, I'm still working on becoming my authentic expression. I feel like it's never really done right in many ways. 
and, and and I think we because we were trained to to wear masks or think that we have to put hats on to do certain jobs, even if we're not an entrepreneur or a content creator, we're trained to think, all right, well, I'm at my job now. I've got to talk this way. I've got to speak this way. And that creates a disconnect between our in in our authentic selves and what we're presenting to the world. And we, this work is never done. We're always deepening our relationship with ourselves. We're learning more about ourselves, who we are, what matters to us, the values that we have. So even as we get deeply connected to our inner selves, we still expand, explore, grow. That work's never done. And that's, that's what's exciting. And, and so, Byron, your work focuses on coaches and the content and the things, the way that they're showing up and expressing themselves. But when you talked about coaches who love being with their clients and helping them with their transformation, but then they have this mindset that they've got to put a, a hat on to market a certain way. All of us do those things in a variety of ways in our life. We put that hat on when we engage with our partner. We put that hat on when we engage with our, our boss. We put that hat on when we're at our church or whatever it is. And, and that putting the hat on is cloaking our authentic expression. And if we do that over a lifetime, it creates a lot of pain and separation and internal challenge. And I think that's what I love about the work that you're doing and what you shared is that doesn't just apply to coaches or content creators or entrepreneurs is if we can recognize those things that we're putting a cloak over or a hat on our, our truest selves, we can start to adjust the way we show up to the world and communicate in a more authentic way. because. You mentioned coaches and, and, and marketing is an extension of their coaching practice. So instead of the formulas, and you also mentioned you do need to have some common components if you are running a business, like who your audience is, who you're serving, how you help them. Very practical, but that's practical stuff. There, there are components to that that you need. Like I have systems in my business. There's things that I do still, but... They should create more freedom of expression, more ability to, to expand into who we are. And so when we filter, it's again, it's funny, we've been talking quite a lot this whole episode about filtering, self-filtering. And I think that's just another version of filtering ourselves by thinking, oh, this is how you market something or, oh, this is how I have to talk to my boss or, oh, this is how I have to talk to my kids. Like we honoring ourselves and, and going in and introspectively looking at what we truly desires inside of us allows us to serve the world and others in a way that others can't. That's what makes us unique. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about this stuff, Byron, is because there's this beauty and power and glory that lives in all of us. And we throw mud and dirt and muck all over it because we've been told this is the way you do things or this is how you have to show up. And it's bullshit. And it's robbing the world of all the gold and glory and treasure that lives within each of us. And I think in a, I know that's a bit of a long-winded response to what you're saying, but in, in many ways, your work is helping people remove the muck. And that's why I do what I'm doing. I really want to just offer things that could be helpful. I'm not an expert. I'm just a dude that's been ruthlessly determined to live my best life and what that means to me and show up the same way that I do when nobody's watching, just like I am today on the show. And because fulfillment has come from that. And I know so many people struggle with meaning and purpose and fulfillment. And honestly, it's just, it, it's heartbreaking, man. So for me, that's why I do this. It's just to see if there's something that I can drop on this show that may help you on your journey to selfhood, that's what it's about. That's why I bring great guests on like you, man, because 
There are things that you may share or see that others don't that could help them in their journey of authentic expression. And it means a lot. So I'm curious for you, Byron, what is, you know, you're a coach. You've been doing, you've been coaching since 2011, you said. So it's over 10 years you've been doing this. Like, what is it that drives you to do the work that you do? Deep answer. Um, we, we started talking about, you know, your family and the, and the holidays. And one of the things that we talked about earlier was my theory is that what you're really passionate about, what you're searching for, the things that you really love talking about, learning about, discovering, where you have the most curiosity and perhaps you even have an infatuation with a topic or an obsession. At the same time, you want to teach, you want to get the gift you want to give other people, but it's such a fragile thing because you probably feel that you're a fraud or that you're not good enough or you're not there yet to do it. And likely it's because the, the reason you're so infatuated with it is because it is your unique gift to give the world. And for me, I trace back this feeling of lacking a connection. Again, like sharing a, a home with people that I was there in close proximity on a daily basis, but I didn't feel a deep, authentic connection with them. And going through my coaching career and in working, my, I got my career started as a coach for someone else's organization. And then I worked my way up to lead trainer of that organization. And we, we utilized a lot of tactics. We utilized a lot of that stuff you mentioned earlier, the manipulation and knowing how to hit the buttons. And it's a one-time decision. If you don't buy now, the price goes up by like $3,000. And the guilt <laughs> that was just, well, you know, you're never going to get where you want to go until you learn how to make it. It's just this the type of slimy stuff. I started feeling sick to my stomach and I knew I got to leave this group. I got to go out on my own. And I didn't, I never had, had run my own business before. I was terrified. And yet I found so much fulfillment and gratitude with, I don't know if it's possible because I've just spent six years watching a, a group of people manipulate our way to clients. But I would love for it to be true if there was a way to, to make a livelihood without any of that. And, and I actually ramping up the connection and the deep connection with other people and the authenticity while we're at it. And so that became my why, became my purpose. And I started attracting clients with that where I, I just, I couldn't, like, like you said, one of the things you appreciated was there was no hard sell. I, I just wired, I, I physically can't do it. Every value in my, in my system just screams at me if, if, I, if I even try to do it or even think <laughs> about doing it. And so I was discovering that, hey, you know, people are so used to being sold that way. What happens if I just deliver an experience where they just feel that much closer to me, that much more trust, that much more of a desire? If we're in that much more alignment, then will I sell more or less? And I, I didn't expect to do that great. I thought actually, I still probably am gonna have to do something, but I found that I actually sold a lot more. And it was a really affirming experience for me. And it was really encouraging that, well, Byron, keep going. Like, how else can I connect with people? How else can I look in the mirror? And how else can I get even more radically honest with myself? And how can I get even more radically honest with the people I'm talking to? And Byron, where, where else are you kind of placating people or coddling them or, or not speaking your truth? and it became this obsession for me and detecting it in myself so I could help other people detect and noticing all the little things that we do where we, we have this natural flow to us, but then there's now an expectation or a little bit of pressure and we, we change our deliveries slightly. We, we, we perform, we shift from authenticity to performance. And why does that happen? And what, when does that happen? And where are we losing people when it happens? 
that's the the reason I do what I do is is something that I'm endlessly fascinated by. I'm fascinated by types of of connections we have with people where we feel comfortable, where we feel like I can let loose. I can I can really I can joke, I can laugh, I can be goofy, I can just be fully me. And there's no my sensor is actually a lot more quiet. And then there's other people I'm around, and man, I'm really stifled here. Like I'm mm. really what's going on? And it's that our values are just out of whack. And unconsciously, I recognize it. So I don't feel safe to really demonstrate who I am because I, I anticipate there's going to be repercussions. So that's what I'm constantly thinking about when it comes in a very practical sense in our business. It's tying over what creates these wonderful conversations that go on for hours where you don't want it to end. And you have not just these wonderful insights, but man, you have this feeling of I've got a lifelong friend here. Why can't we do business the same way? Why does it have to be this different phenomenon? Why can't some of our best friends be our clients? And that question has tortured me in a good way for the past six years. And it's, I'm just endlessly fascinated by it. And I'm just so grateful that's been what I've observed, uh, that, that authenticity and human connection is underneath all of my progress in business. So that's it. Man, well, if if more individuals would choose to run and operate businesses with the aim to become like best friends in the way they help each other and serve one another in that business would be incredible. Because I think we forget, Byron, that business is a means to serve the world around us. We forget it's a means to connect with our community, to be more human-like and to be more human, not human-like, but to be more human. It's a vehicle for humanity. And I think our definitions of success in our culture are very, I, I find them to be very backward and everything is about money and money determines your level of success. And, and I don't know if this guy's going to listen to it or not, but I got invited onto a podcast a week or so ago and I went to schedule a session on there and he had a, a revenue, an annual revenue requirement to book on his show. And I didn't meet the revenue requirement. It was a 2 million annual uh, revenue company. And we're growing. My wife and I are growing our businesses. We're doing, we're growing and doing okay, but like we're not $2 million annually, which is great. But it's sad to me though, that someone sets the standard of who they want to engage with solely on how much money they earn in their business or whatever it may be. Now I understand it's a business driven podcast. You want to have all these insights around people that are running successful businesses, but my aim and absolutely the aim of my podcast, The Inner Entrepreneur with my co-host Paul Ryan is in this podcast is to, to show that there are other ways to define success outside of revenue. And what you shared is a beautiful vision of that, man, and what's possible for when we lean into our authentic truth, what's driving us, where we want to show up. Because I just can't accept that money is the only thing that matters and that you can't have heart in a business and also run a profitable, successful business while caring about people and being a good human. I just, dude, I'm gonna, you can, you gotta take my life before I'll admit anything else other than that because it's, I just don't buy it. I don't buy that you have to sacrifice integrity, decency, and kindness to run a profitable, successful business. And if more people can realize not every business is meant to scale to a billion dollars plus and be a public company, it's okay to run and operate a company or a service like you do in the way that you are in that you're leaning into genuine connection and you're doing things uniquely. I mean, when you're creating content, you, 
frameworks can help us in some ways. Again, I'm not trying to negate the power that they can hold, but it's not helpful if we're not bringing our full self into it. If it's not allowing the expression of who we fully are, then it's limiting and hindering and pulling us away from the audience that we need. I think that's another thing too, Byron, is I don't want to achieve success if it means connecting with the people that I don't align with. The story you just shared is a prime example of that, man. I feel that too. I learned many years ago that my intuition will spike up and I will not share certain things about my vision or goals or the way I operate my life because I'm operating around a fear-driven person, someone that's very critical, they're judgmental, they have a different frequency. And I think it really does come down to the level of fear or love and compassion that someone's operating from. Fear is a very downward, suppressive, it's, it keeps us anchored in our animal minds and bodies, whereas courage, love, compassion are the, the ever-driving components that pull us towards our spiritual realities. And, and I just commend you, man, for, for honoring that because the world needs more businesses that are treating their clients like best friends. And I got to say, for all the people that are cold outreaching me, if you are listening, I'm not going to respond to your fake videos and your calls to action because you have no interest. So many of us are getting that on social media and out in the world, and it's just so inauthentic. Like, dude, I can't believe the level of rude calls my wife gets from telemarketers. And she just nicely asks them to be taken off the list, and they start arguing with her, trying to sell her and all this stuff. And it's like, do we really think that that's the way to, to achieve what we desire and help people and make the world a better place is to manipulate and, and be dishonest? Sorry, Byron, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a soapbox with that, but I just... No, you're, you're good. I just yeah, appreciate you're, you're really that, good. Um, and it, one of the things that I shared with you earlier, um, and you said, I just don't buy it. Not only do I not buy it, I, I'm living proof that it, it really works against you. It works against you. And it, it, in the short term, you might be able to make some progress, but long term, it, it's unsustainable. Y your business mm. crumbles with that. And it's why you see also a lot of people kind of jumping from opportunity to opportunity because they're leaving burned bridges behind them each time they do. Um, empathy is the key thing. And what I realized what's really missing in a lot of direct outreach is empathy. Um, we've employed direct outreach for, for a number of years now. We've done it effectively because I recognize, well, everyone else, there's a lack of empathy. It's all about, hey, I have this system, this product, this thing I'm trying to shill, and it's all about us. And I don't really care who you are. And in fact, you're one person in a thief, a thousand. So that doesn't matter too much. But our thing, our thing is amazing. So you should try our thing. So you want to have a 15 minute call where I walk you through our thing. And when you flip that, me, 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 me. Yeah, exactly. It's like just my ego, my ego, my ego. Cause that's what's truly, like you said, driving that person. It's that fear. It, I, mm. I, I need to have a certain amount of, of money. So I need more, I need more and more and more. And uh, once you start to detect that, yeah, you, you can recognize somebody that's driven by something that's probably a little, a little different than actually serving you uh, and creating value for you. So empathy is the key. It's been the biggest key. It's how can I both and it's a really interesting paradox because it's how can I simultaneously demonstrate I have not just that I understand you, but I have the desire to work to understand you. I, I want to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to, I have assumptions that I believe might be true, but I'm going to keep working and digging in and even clarifying, am I on the right track here? Am I getting this correctly? And it's something that you even asked before we jumped on, like, hey, I have this introduction. Am I on the right track here? That has me feel like this guy cares about me. 
It's such an obvious, simple thing. But immediately I'm like, cool, he cares about me. I'm in good shape here. And I know the interview is going to be amazing. So that empathy is important. Like I, I get what it's like to be you, but then there's the other side of being original. And, and I have an insight you probably haven't ever heard before. And it, it might even be a little out there. It might be a little interesting, but if you can just go with me on this journey, I know it's going to transform you. I know it's going to help you. And it's, it's a really interesting gift to be able to do both, to meet mm. someone in their world and take them somewhere else. It requires the skill set of social intelligence, emotional intelligence, but also the bravery of going your own unique way. But I find that in business, most are kind of dialed in either one way or another or, or not at all, or most people that are working for someone else haven't quite cultivated either one of those skill sets or they're even reprimanded for cultivating one of them. So if, if you can do that, if, if you can just look at, for everyone that I interact with on a daily basis, whoever it's, it's a boss, a manager, a customer, a client, your friends, your family, how can I demonstrate more curiosity for them and work harder to understand them and to clarify my assumptions? But then for me, when I disconnect, when I'm not being social, when I'm, when I'm spending time with myself, how can I look in the mirror more often? What are three truths? What are three lies I'm telling myself? I don't have to share them with anyone. And then how can I reflect on some of these topics that I'm really fired up about and cultivate some original ideas? And how do I catch myself going, this person says this, and instead, what do I say? And, and both those two things are a really good formula that I've seen for cultivating success, no matter what you're doing. And that's, it's funny, Byron, we're, we're getting close to the hour here too together, which I, I'm, I lo really love this conversation, man, and very enjoyable. And, but it, it's great that you just took a lot of the high level things that we talked about for almost an hour and grounded them in some very practical exercises that listeners could take home with them and, and deploy in their life. Because ultimately, I love doing that, talking about high level concepts, things that we can think about, consider how can we get more of those things in our life? And then what are the actions that we can take? Because you and I both know this, all the insights in the world are meaningless unless we take action and apply them in our own life, whether it's journaling, meditation, what the exercise that you just gave, like reflection, all those things, none of that matters unless we take action with it, because that's really what changes. It's the, the combination of an insight that fires our action. That's, that's really what allows us to transform over time. But man, that, that's such a wonderful message, dude. And it's, curiosity and, and compassion for others is truly the long-term path to success. It's the ultimate means to achieve success that's aligned with who you are. It will take longer. It may be more challenging in a world that's hell-bent on driving everything with fear. But Byron, you, I think you're a living testament to that. I've met many individuals who are honoring the way they want to show up in the world and they're challenging the expectations and standards that our culture sets. And we need more people like that. That's what that's for me, man. That's I feel podcasting is such a privilege because I get the chance to talk to cool people like you doing cool things in their work and give you all a platform to share the work that you're doing and provide value, man, to people that are helping that could be helpful to them. Like, dude, that, that's, that's such a privilege, man. Like, so I, I just really appreciate you showing up in the way that you do and being authentic in the way that you do. And a lot of the insights that you shared on, on today's episode, definitely going to have to bring you back on because that hour went really fast. 
Um, there's, I don't even, I had a huge list of things that we had talked about when we first connected. I don't even know. I wasn't even looking at my list cause I was just enjoying talking to you, man. And, and truthfully, that's like, that's one of the best ways to flow through this type of work together is, is allowing things to bubble up out of curiosity, out of openness. And, and so I really appreciate you participating, but before we end the show, two things, my friend, how can people get in touch with you? Is there anything that you're working on right now? And then a, a parting message that you would like to share with the, the audience before we, we part ways. Yeah, man. So the best way is probably LinkedIn. Just search for Byron Van Pelt. That's the content that I post about three to four times a week that you referenced. That would be the number one thing. And then right now, yeah, I just launched my group, the Primal Brand Coaches Collective, dedicated to helping coaches cr clarify their message, sharpen it, and then market it authentically. That's what's taken up the bulk of my practice. So we'll make sure to link to those, the, the, the your LinkedIn and your, your coaching program, Byron, for sure. And then the last thing is just a parting message to share with the audience. Oh, parting message. Yeah. There is likely an idea that you have that you have been thinking about sharing for a while now, and you really are fired up about it. And each time the you're wanting to type it out, write it down or speak it or say it, it starts to flow out and then you stop yourself. What is that one thing? And what happens when you just let it flow and you let it go all the way out and you keep pushing yourself there? You work through that resistance, like you said, to articulate that idea. Recognize that that limitation, that resistance, all of that is fake. It doesn't exist. It's not real. It's just this, this cloud that's in your head. And the more you, you see through it, you realize the cloud starts to dissipate. The more you shine a light on it. And then you recognize, well, wait a minute, that was just one idea. I probably have five, 10, 50, 100 different ideas that I could be sharing. Keep doing that and uh, you'll get better at it over time. Oh man, that's great. I love it. Pierce through that cloud with the light that you hold within you, man. That's fantastic, Byron. What a great message. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. I've really enjoyed this. Honestly, we're gonna have to have you on again. That went by, it was a really fast hour. And I've said this a couple of times on the show, my wife and I are working towards a home that we want to buy. We've got, I'm going to have a podcast studio in person one day, and I would love for you to come and, and sit in person eventually when I have that set up, dude, and have an in-person conversation. That's like a, you know, future stretch goal that I'm going with the podcast as we evolve here at Order With Them, man. So I, I certainly appreciate you coming on, Byron, and sharing your insights for your work. And yeah, dude, it's been great. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This has been special. This has been fun. Awesome. Appreciate you, brother. So to the audience out there, as always, appreciate your eyes, your ears, your attention in a world that's driven by constant attention seeking, you giving that to us to listen, to learn, to grow is deeply appreciated. So hope you found some insights in today's episode. New episodes drop every Thursday at 11 a.m. So until next time, y'all. Thank you for listening to Order Within. If you found the episode helpful, please consider sharing, rating, and subscribing. New episodes will be released every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next time, y'all.